message and they go through the greatest gift, who's Jesus. So that's awesome. Can we give it up for Sue and oh. all of the efforts that she did? I miss something? Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I guess I missed something. Just, just real important though, the most important thing you can do is pray. Yes. Please pray for the child who's going to be receiving your shoebox because they only get one shoebox in their entire life. So we want to make sure it's filled with mm. the, the love of God. So thank you. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for one more time. Thank you, Sue. Appreciate you. Yep, I'll take that. This is another tool that we use um, during the Christmas season to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, to all the world. And there are places that we may never see and never step foot on, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to get there through this tool. So we hope if God is stirring your heart, there are many ways that you can support and lead during this Christmas season. But if God is stirring your heart in this area, we highly encourage you to consider Operation Christmas Child uh, to reach the world for Jesus. Well, this morning, before we get started, I know there's a few announcements, but we want to welcome, if you join me in welcoming our Flag Fort Scott community that is hanging out in our new campus at the middle school. Welcome, guys. We were there last yesterday, and we did our dry run. We got everything set up. It was so awesome, and uh, I shared this with the team before we left and we prayed for you guys, but in the Bible it talks about how in the Old Testament where people will move and when God does something powerful, they build an altar. It was called an Ebenezer because they would go back to the altar to remember what God did. And I think last, yesterday morning we prayed and we believed uh, that that was going to be an altar moment because we're going to come back to that five years from now, ten years from now and celebrate the faithfulness of God in Fort Scott and what God is going to use that group of people and that church this, this morning to transform that community. So we are praying and we are believing for you guys and our team here is doing the same and so excited for you this Sunday morning. Hey, this morning we're going to God's Word, talking and uh, continuing our series, talking about did God really say? And uh, if, you've, uh, if this is your very first Sunday, you've missed a Sunday, highly encourage you to check out our Flag Church app. A uh, great way for you to get caught up on the previous messages and uh, stay up to date. But today, uh, we continue last week's series, and uh, I mean last week's topic, talking about how um, we uh, are called to crucify the flesh, uh, to crucify the selfish desires, the sinful desires that are inside of us that are separating us, separating us from the love of Christ, separating us from seeing the face of God to being those holy called out people that are set apart uh, to do what God has called us to do, but also to be in this vibrant relationship with Christ. But the selfish, sinful desires are separating us and we, were, we talked about how we are called to crucify the flesh, but to, uh, to live in, in alignment with the Spirit so that we may be in that constant relationship with God. And we talked about how last week we, we started the whole process, talked about how this is the application process of this whole series. This is the stepping out and taking the next steps. This is the me saying, you know what, okay, I am going to stop what I was doing and start doing some new things. 
Start doing some, having some new uh, lifestyle changes or habits or you know, like, oh, it's not New Year's yet, but maybe New Year's resolutions or new relationship resolutions with Christ and, and we're making these applications. This week we're going to continue uh, in the same thread talking about becoming free. Becoming free. We just saw a, a saying about chains being set uh, set free, the chains that are holding us down, being released from our lives and being set free. We talked about being a holy a God and how we could come and worship Him. So this week, we want to talk about becoming free. So John, the Apostle John in chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, he, he states this and he said, Jesus, and just to give you some context, Jesus is having this conversation with the religious leaders and the Jewish people, and they are struggling to understand Jesus. They're struggling to, uh, to, to understand that He is the, the Messiah that has been sent, and they're struggling, and they're, they're having this conflict uh, about who Jesus' identity and who He truly is and who He says He is, right? They're having that conversation, and then some of the Jews accepted Jesus for the, the message that He brought. And so Jesus is saying, and he said to the people who believed in him, who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So basically, here are some followers of Jesus that have just given their life to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is talking to them and said, if, if you who believe in Him, the people who believe in Him, you are, my, you are truly my disciples if you remain in me. If you continue to believe in me and continue to walk with me and continue to do life with me uh, using my teachings and because the teachings that I have, which is found in God's Word, will... Uh, set you free because it is the truth of God. So what we see here is first, the first step is to believe. The first step is to believe. That is salvation uh, in Christ. Salvation through Christ. The gift of grace that is freely given. Us coming to Him and saying, you know what, I am a sinful person and I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ and I want to accept you into my life. And that is that first step of believing. And many of you in this room have already done that sometime in your life and you are on a journey with Jesus doing life with Him. But then, then He goes on to say, but... Remain faithful. Remain faithful. Not remain faithful on a Sunday morning or remain faithful once every, now the stat says, I'll go to church once every, uh, once a month. Once a month is the, the average right now for a person to attend church. You guys are amazing. You guys are here every week. But for those that are not here, I'm just letting them know. Once a month, right? But it says remain faithful. Make sure you're doing the important things. Being faithful for the important things because if you are faithful in the important things, God can take care of all the other things. Do you agree? Do you agree? Maybe? Not sure? You're not positive about that yet? Well, you might give it a shot because then you'll figure it out and you go, wow, God can truly take care of everything else. Man, I don't have to work really hard to do that. I don't have to be in control of everything. I'm preaching to myself here, but remain faithful, spiritual formations, okay, uh, new habits, ways with Jesus, doing life with Jesus. 
we have a few other observations from this passage of scripture that we have already kind of discussed and unpacked in our previous weeks. That being, for Jesus, for Jesus, there is truth and lies. So there is something called truth and there's something called lies in his, uh, in his word. And, and truth is found in him and his teachings. Okay, truth is found in him, him and his teaching, teachings. And truth sets us free and lies leads to imprisonment or bondage in our lives. Lives, lies lead to more chains being put on us and, and holding us down from being free. So freedom is found in Christ and his teachings of the truth. Freedom is found in Christ and his teachings of the truth. Christ sets us free and then continues, and then continues. It's a continuation. It's an ongoing process of the freeing because we are initially set free, but there is so much bondage in our lives. There's so much uh, baggage that we have brought upon ourselves by living in the world because of our sinful, lustful desires that there is a constant uh, a freeing that God wants to do, and it is the washing away of our sins, which is called sanctification, a big churchy word where there is a, a, a cleansing that is happening daily in our lives when we are with Him to make us more like Him. It doesn't happen just on the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you're like, it's all good now, I'm set till Jesus comes back. No, there is an ongoing process and every time we get closer to God and He cleanses us and He purifies us, there is a new revelation that we get of Him. We get to see from different eyes daily and we get to see a new uh, image of who Christ is and what He has for our lives. How exciting is that? It's like opening Christmas gifts every morning. How many of you would love that? You guys don't like Christmas gifts? Man. Okay. I don't know. It's like opening Christmas gifts every morning. Every time you sit with Him and you let Him wash your mind and purify you and cleanse you and then He says, here. And you're like, oh, Okay. I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. It's so cool. Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by deceptive ideas and lies, the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that pleases the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Life and peace. See, truth and lies, or truth and all lies, reside in our mind. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the, uh, uh, the playground <laughs> or the process or the factory where everything starts to happen is in our minds that leads to our actions and our be behaviors. Based on truth, based on lies in our mind, that kind of channels or directs the actions and the behaviors of our lives. That is why in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Do not copy the behaviors of this world, but let God, everybody say let God, but let God, Okay? Let God transform you into a new person. Let God 
letting God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How many of you would agree this morning that when we think, sometimes we don't think of the right things all the time and it causes some hurt and pain in our lives? Our thinking, right? We wake up and, and, and the things of the world start kind of coming our way and we start to think there's a lot of anxiety maybe, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of worry, there's a lot of unsettlingness that has, starts to happen. How many of you agree that that happens? Right? Stop copying the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God, let God transform your mind. See, freedom is found by letting God transform us, transform our behaviors, transform our customs, and change the way we think, the way our mind operates and functions based on truth or lies. Okay? It's about how we think. But we've got to stop copying the behaviors and customs of this world. Because we weren't called to this world, were we? This is a temporary home. Our world is in a different place. We were created for a different world. That's why in our youth college ministry, we are called counterculture college ministry. We are counter to the culture because we were called to a different culture, not to copy the culture and the behaviors and the habits of this world. See, behaviors are born from ideas and thoughts. Behaviors are born from an idea or a thought. An idea that maybe is implanted in your mind. It could be a good idea that comes from the Word of God, or it could be a deceptive uh, uh, fleshly desire that is planted in the mind of, uh, of us humans. So it's an idea or a thought, idea that is implanted into in, and into action. So we take this idea that is implanted and we act on it. And every time we act on it, we receive a reward. If it's something that is pleasing to the flesh, we get a reward of satisfaction that might be temporary. Or if it is an action that, uh, an idea that came from God, there is a reward of a blessing that comes from God, which might be the fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So there are things that start to come out and of the actions that are rewards over time that become behaviors that turn into habits, okay? Winston Churchill said it this way, he said, watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your actions, they become your habits. And some of you might be sitting right now going, oh yeah, that habit, ah oh, yeah. No, not so excited about that habit, but how did it become a habit? It was an action at one time, it was an idea, it was a thought that was started and planted in your mind that started to take root and you started to act upon it and there were some rewards that came with it that made you feel good and so then uh, we started to uh, slide down the wrong way. See, I shared this last week, ideas, we're the only creatures, humans created in the image of God that have the capacity to imagine an idea which is realistic or unrealistic and make it a reality. We are the only humans that can do that. And it's, in other words, it's like taking something that did not exist. It's an idea and we make it a reality. It is a, a genius that God gave us, that he blessed us with. But in the wrong hands, we talked about this last week, it becomes our Achilles heel because the reason being is the idea, if it is generated from the devil, which is deceptive, is now not truth. And we take that lie and we start to make it a reality in our lives and we live it out. 
We live it out in our lives, we live it out in our minds, and it starts to corrupt us from the inside out. A true statement that I heard in the last month. I'd like for you guys to kind of wrestle with these statements. It's okay for me to watch porn since I'm not cheating on my wife. A true statement. It's okay for me to watch porn because I'm not cheating on my wife. Somewhere in there, the enemy has taken a lie, made it a truth, implanted it in somebody's mind, and they started to act on it, and there were rewards that came with it that started to become a habit and now became a justification of how that is okay. It is okay to watch violent, horror, or sexually implicit movies, uh, implicit movies because I'm not acting, I'm just watching it. Statements. I'm just watching it, right? It's not impacting my life. It's not changing who I am. False. It's crazy as we get ready for Halloween, some of the movies that are coming out some of the trailers that you get to watch and, 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 the, and, the, and the, the, the extreme of how far that has been taken to impact our minds. It is okay for me to smoke or drink since I'm allowing it to relax me and calm me down. It is okay for me to smoke or to drink because it's allowing me or helping me relax me and calm me down. Here's a question. I'm just laying this out there for you guys to wrestle with, but why do we have not, uh, nicotine patches? Why do we have alcohol anonymous? Why do we have, we have drug addiction programs? Why do we have these? Is it possible that maybe we took an unrealistic idea and we took it too far and now it became an addiction and now we need human intervention to kind of get us out of this addiction. And so we are in this vicious cycle that is causing us to be destructive in our lives, that is hurting us. Is it possible? Is it? We act on unrealistic ideas that have become truthful and it becomes a part of our life it begins to shape and define who we are. It defines us. It shapes us. It transforms us. It starts to define our identity. It starts to define our belief structure. It starts to define our spiritual formation. Or should I say it is redefining our beliefs and our spiritual formation. It is redefining what we were intended or created to be. It's redefining what truth and lies is. It's redefining who Christ is. It's redefining who we are in Christ. It is changing us from the inside out. Psychologists say that we live by this thing called mental maps. Mental maps. Um, mental maps are a collection of ideas and habits that form and shape our actions and our behaviors. So they kind of help us navigate through life. Uh, example, like some of us have mental maps on how to get home. We can be tired and we can get in there and get in our car and start driving and we don't have to think, right? We'll just 
make our way home. I remember the first time we changed addresses. I can't tell you how many times I went to the wrong house because I was just mental maps driving, right? Got to the wrong house. Oh, I should have turned there. Oh, maybe I'm going to, uh, I come too much to church and I forget and I should be going to drop my son and I forget and go to church, right? Like mental maps, right? It happens. So how do these form? Hebb's law uh, um, says it this way. Neuroscience states that the cells that fire together, cells that fire together wire together. So translation, every time you think or do something that causes a good feeling, the action and the feeling start to wire together. The action and the feeling start to wire together. It starts to etch a neural pathway in the grooves of our brain that start to shape our muscle memory. Okay? If you're in sports, you know how muscle memory works. Like uh, with basketball, uh, my, the coaches tell my son, hey, keep shooting. Keep shooting from one spot, then move to another spot. And keep shooting and keep shooting and keep shooting so many shots. Because what you're doing is you're training your muscles to remember how much pressure and how, how to shoot and what angle and what direction to shoot. And so that way you are being successful when there is no pressure. But then when you're in the pressure of the game, you don't have to think about it. Your body naturally shoots that shot in the midst of the chaos that is happening around you. It's muscle memory. It's a good thing, right? Until we have bad muscle memories for bad actions. And in the midst of the chaos, we naturally default to it and we fall into the trap that the enemy wants us in. It becomes easier to think and to do the same things over and over again. And that process starts to create a habit in our mind and then it's hard to break because uh, it, it has been etched into our system. We get stuck in the grooves or the pathways that are, uh, that are comfortable and we stay there. So I have this image that I'm going to put up there real quick. And I know it's getting ready for snow, and some of you are excited. Some of you are like, no, snow. Uh, but anyway, does that look familiar how you're on, the, on, the, on a highway or on a side street, and you have these grooves or uh, these uh, what uh, snow, uh, uh, I can't even think of the word now all of a sudden. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> Ruts, there we go, the ruts, the, the ruts in the road that you have, right? And you kind of get into a rut, and it's sometimes easy to stay on that, right? On the highway, you get onto that, uh, somebody's driven there five times, you get into that rut, and then you stay on it because it's easy, it's, it's easy to get to where you're going, and there's no, not a lot of resistance, there's not, not a lot of, lot of uncomfortability, right? But imagine trying to get out of that rut, rut. There's a lot of friction. There's a lot of uncomfortability. Your steering wheel starts to kind of jerk on you. And you're like, whoa, what do I do? Should I put my brakes on? Should I stop? Because you're trying to jump out of that rut. And that's kind of like our neural pathways that we create with our habits. We get into these ruts and we stay there because it's comfortable. It's safe. It is easy. But if we have to jump out of that, there's a lot of uncomfortability. There's a lot of discomfort. There's a lot of uh, friction and tension, but sometimes we need 
to jump out of that rut. Let's just imagine if you had to go home and you were on that rut and it's time to get off the road so you can get a, take, make a turn so you can get to the destination you're going. You could stay on that rut and you're not going to get home. Or you can intentionally get out of that rut and turn so that you can take the turn that you need so you can get home. We all have a home that we're headed to. <laughs> it's called heaven. We can stay in our ruts. May not lead us to our destination. Or we can jump out. Mental maps were designed by God. It was a miracle of creation. God intended it to be that way so that we can create in our brain pathways, neural pathways with good thoughts and good habits and good behaviors that naturally lead us in the right direction. So when I am stressed, I go to my knees and I pray. When I am in a hard situation, I call on the name of Jesus. When I am tempted, I turn and I walk the other way because I know that's not my North Star. My North Star is Jesus. So we create these mental maps so we're in the midst of the chaos, we're able to know to do the right thing. That is why God created it. Everything that God created was good. I'll say that again. Everything that God created was good. Are you good? But unfortunately, because we've been polluted by sin and the devil, so now things have been kind of turned upside down. Mental maps were a good thing. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. Let the sinful nature control, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to that. But there is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. It's called spiritual formations. It's called rewiring of your mind. It's called recreating the new ruts that you need to create that are from God. And so we continue that passage and it says, but, but let God. So that two, on three, on three. One, two, three. But let God. Let's do that one more time. On three. One, two, three. But let God. What would happen if you woke up every morning and said, but let God. <laughs> What would happen? <laughs> well, let God. God, I'm going to let you. God, I'm going to let you. God, I'm going to let you because I know that my, my pathways are incorrect. I'm wired incorrectly right now because of some things that I've let, let into my life. But I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you every day. I'm going to let you in every day. I'm going to let you transform me every day. Let God transform you into a old person or new person? New person. New in Christ. New person. By changing the way you think, your mind, the way you think, the way you process, the way you react, the way you respond to things, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will. But it starts by letting God transform us. It starts by letting God transform us. But there's a requirement, and it's called 
confession. We started this last week, and we're going to continue it this week. It is a new spiritual formation that, beca- that needs to be a habit that we get into, which feels uncomfortable because we're trying to jump out of that rut that we're in. And anytime we try to jump out of that, it feels uncomfortable, but it's very important for you to figure out the spiritual formation of confession. Because confession is the beginning point of the transformation that God wants to do in your life, the purification that God wants to do in your life, the cleansing that God wants to do in your life, the creating of the new that God wants to do in your life. So John chapter 1, I'm going to skip to verse 8, guys, if you would help me, and I'm going to skip past that for the purpose of time. Verse 8, if you claim, if, sorry, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living the truth. I'll read that again. If we claim we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And that's just, that's not me, that's just God's word. I don't know what to do with it other than to read it and say, you process it. Okay? You want to go back and read it? It's 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, 9, and 10. It's simple. Now, he's not doing this to condemn us or to throw us down or to make us feel bad. He's saying, hey, guys, there is a path here that you can take. And if you take that path, uh, there's life. There's hope. There's healing. There's restoration. There's new life. There's new identity. There's newness in Christ. See, confession, confessing our sins, a disclosure of one's sins that they are guilty of. Confession has lost its place in the church. It has. We've kind of walked away from confession because it's uncomfortable, right? It, we've got to jump out of that rut. We've got to get out and say, oh, I messed up. I did this. Yes. We all have done things that are not healthy. But we've got to do it. For confession to yield, not just forgiveness, but freedom, it must be drug, uh, the sin must be drug out into the light and not just in solitary confinement. We like to keep our sins private to ourselves and say, oh, I can deal with this with God. No, no, no. That's not how it works. It actually works different. It is, needs to be drugged out. We need, need to call out the sin. We've got to name the sin. Bring it out into the light, into Christ, into a community, and then there is healing that starts to happen. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said it well. He said, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. Think of some of the sin that we hide from. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will the power of sin be over him. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light in the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. Does that sound kind of messed up? Does that look like a guy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy? 
sin. Unexposed. This goes back to the Garden of Eden. It goes back to Adam and Eve. It goes back to when Adam and Eve had this vibrant relationship with God where they walked in the coolness of the garden with the company of God by themselves. They were in relationship with God. They were in this vibrant, connected relationship where they walked with God. Just picture that in your head. They walked with God, right? Got it? Then what happened? Sin entered. They sinned. And as soon as they sinned, what did they do? Worship team, I'm sorry, I didn't write it down. You guys, you guys are looking at me going, do I come up? Uh, I didn't put it in their notes. My fault. But when sin entered, what did they do? They hid. But before they did that, they noticed that they were naked. They were naked. And they go, oh, I, they, they, their souls were naked. The neighbor was able to see what was happening in their soul. So what did they do? They, they, they sewed clothing with fig leaves and they covered themselves from each other so they could kind of hide their soul and the sin that is in their life. They hid from the sin that is in their life. They put clothing around themselves that no one in the neighborhood could see what is truly happening. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm fine. You're really fine? No, I'm not. They put clothing around themselves and they separated themselves from God and from each other. And they hid. Started in the garden. They covered their soul. They covered their soul. See, sin leads us to isolation and secrecy. It leads us to isolation and secrecy. It leads us to separation from community. It separates us from each other and leads us into bondage and strongholds. Sin encourages us, I'll say this, I want you to hear this. Sin encourages us to live independent lives. Do what you need to do. Be happy. Be yourself. You don't need anyone. You've got this. Does that sound familiar in our world today? independent lives live in isolation you got this COVID didn't help us it separated us even further but God created us for interdependency who goes to battle when they go to take down an enemy by themselves I'm not in the military but from what I've heard that's not a good thing to do but we go out every morning to do battle with a more, the most powerful enemy out there and we live in independent lives. We live independent and do not live interdependent or connected with community. There is something that happens when we are interdependent and in community where we can cry out to each other, where we can share our sins with each other, where we can pray for each other. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confession. Guys, God created this for us. He set it up through His Son, Jesus Christ. He gave us the pathway. He gave us 
the, the, the book and, and told us exactly what we need to do. There's a raw power and genuine freedom that comes when we name our sin in the presence of a loving community. There's freedom. So this morning, here's what I want us to do. If you'd stand to your feet at this time, I want to give you an opportunity to confess. I want to give you an opportunity to come to the altar. We did this last week. And we're going to do this because this is a new habit. It is not easy. It is not comfortable. It is, we want to stay in our comfort lanes. We want to stay in our ruts. But God is saying, will you jump out of that rut? Will you let God, would you come to me? Would you surrender to me? Would you allow me to start rewiring your mind? So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity, but I'm going to take it one step further. And you may not feel comfortable. You don't have to go there, okay? You don't have to go there, but I want to at least give you the opportunity. What I'm trying to do is take baby steps to help you learn confession. Are we good? Okay? So you may want to just come and spend time with God this morning and say, God, here it is. I want to confess. This is an area. I'm calling out this area of sin. I want to confess. But this morning, here's another thing you could do. What if you were to grab the person standing next to you? Might be the closest person. Now, if they're not, don't do it. But maybe the person standing next to you, do you really know them? Or you know, they know you? And you bring them with you. And you talk to each other at the altar. Hey, I want to confess this in my life. Well, let's pray for each other. Can I pray for you? Would you pray for me? Can we do that in community? There's a beauty that starts to emerge. There's power that starts to be released when sin is exposed to the light. There's freedom that reigns in his house, in our lives, in our bodies when sin is exposed. So this morning, before we even start worshiping, I want to give you an opportunity. If you want to step out and step forward, all you're doing is you're coming to spend time with God. If that's you, I want to invite you to make your way right now. Make your way right now. A chance for you to confess your sins to each other. It's a safe place. He's inviting you this morning. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Maybe you need to bring somebody with you this morning to come to the altar. Confess to each other. Pray for each other. Because there's healing that happens in the presence of God through confession. Anyone else? It's time to confess. It's time to come free. It's time to experience the freedom in Christ. Leaders out, worship team, even as they're leading, I want to challenge you. Once God starts to stir your heart, make your way. The enemy wants you to live in isolation. He wants you to stay in sin, but there's freedom in his house. worship if you're not up here let's worship
your